Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lug It Out Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we're discussing Euphoria, Season 1, Episode 8, Season Finale, Wrap Up, whatever you want to call it. This is the, this is it, it's over, we did it. We watched um, all eight episodes and the final episode we're going to specifically talk about today is Insult the Earth Behind You, directed by Sam Levinson. Um... Here's a synopsis. It's kind of a little long one, so bear with me real quick. Rue and Jules reconcile as Rue recovers in the hospital. Nate is unable to perform during sex with Maddie and later has a violent episode after an altercation with Cal. McKay steals one of Cal's videos and watches it. Nate and Maddie break up, as do McKay and Cassie, who terminates her pregnancy. Cassie does. Uh, Fezco breaks into the house of Mouse's supplier and robs him in order to pay his debt to Mouse. Mouse later confronts him at the winter formal. Nate admits to Maddie that he's not healthy for her. While Kat seeks out Ethan and apologizes for her behavior, Ethan forgives Kat and they leave together. Jules flirts with Anna via text during the formal and later admits to Rue that she fell in love with with both her and Anna. Rue confronts Nate over the raid at Fezco's. Cal's sexual activities and Nate's previous attraction to Jules. She threatens to expose Cal and Nate taunts sorry she threatens to expose Cal and Nate taunts her about Jules' loyalty. On a whim, she asks Jules to leave town with her, but backs out at the last second. Jules leaves alone despondent Rue sorry, despondent Rue has a flashback to the day of her father died. In this memory, she gets high after her father's death, experiencing vivid hallucinations. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. I just wanted to say thank everyone for listening this far in the Euphoria podcast. Um, sorry we couldn't do an episode by episode, but we tried to get everyone, every single episode that we possibly could, no matter, uh, this circumstance at some, some points we were having to, uh, uh, podcast and then run and, uh, you know, work or something like that. So it was a little bit difficult to manage all of them back to back to back, but we got the majority of them and we're here for the finale. Let me get a little bit of. some uh, water in this uh, drink. Let me see. So, the finale episode actually uh, started to form in a way that um, I was sort of expecting. I had heard word through the grapevine that the finale wasn't exactly the the punch that it really needed to end uh, this first season. I do think it was a little bit more of a, a whiff of a season finale. It 
they took much more of, uh, I, I don't want to say music video, but they really did take the hyper-realistic route with this specific episode. Everything felt very heightened, a little bit over-dramatic. Um, campy's not the right word because I don't think camp camp is what really this show is about. It, it's too dramatic. This show's too dramatic to be campy. It's... It, um, not not to say that it can't be, but I don't think that's the right word to uh, describe it. I'm trying to get my iPad to come on, so things taking a second. Let's see if I got any battery on it. Oh, still, still trying to charge it. Let's see. Come on, buddy. Come on, come on. Uh, so the season finale was looking back on it uh, on IMDb in eight seven. Um, personally, I would give it a 7 out of 10. Mostly because throughout the majority of the season, looking back, there's very specific episodes that are geared toward each, uh, each character on the, on the uh, plot, whether they're the, the main character, Rue, or if it's a side character, or supporting character, sorry, um, like someone like Cat or Jules. I was really looking forward to seeing a little bit more of Fezco and maybe Ashtray's upcoming. I know Ashtray's probably got to be a little bit more difficult to do because he's a a child. You have to make him younger somehow or just make him not in the picture. Um, but other than that, I I was looking forward to that that subplot coming, um, you know, full circle considering they, they talk about it in, like, episode two or something like that. They talk a lot about his history with Rue, and we ne- I don't really feel like we ever get a, a full, rounded perspective on that. And honestly, they left us in a cliffhanger with uh, the character of Fezco. He's... Uh, Rue, I think it's in the middle of six or seven, um, the episodes, six or seven, they have a conversation about you know threatening Nate and stuff like that, and he actually goes and threats. Uh, he threatens Nate. Sorry, he doesn't have to go anywhere. Nate comes to the gas station that Fezco works at and basically tells him to fuck off from Jules and Rue, and uh, because of that, Nate Salty calls the cops on Fezco's place, and you see the raid about to happen. But later we find out they didn't find anything. They must have got rid of all, rid of everything. Um, I wanted a little bit more full circle-ness on that or something like that. I, I had mixed feelings about the character of Mouse. The, the guy that plays it was, you know, scary as hell. I thought he did a great job, but, um, I, I really didn't want us to be put in this, uh, cliffhanger. I, this felt more like an episode, uh, like, before the season finale, like semi-season finale, than it was the finale. In episode 7, I'm going to kind of go back and forth because I didn't talk about episode 7. Um, it's it's a really big part of... Uh, episode 7 does feel like a part 1 of the part 2 season finale, which would be episode 8. They they'd feel like two parts of a, a a movie, but almost like they literally broke them in half, and they're like, okay, this is gonna have episode seven is gonna have all the setup and narrative drive, and episode eight is gonna have this uh, fallout 
which is majority of the characters just kind of coming to some sort of uh, narrative resolution. The problem is, I thought a lot of the narrative resolutions were um, somewhat predictable in a way, and in other ways just unsatisfying. Um, Rue is just in in episode seven. She's just in bed. Uh, talking about you know being depressed, watching reality TV, and being uh, you know kind of away from Jules, and um, it's really eating at her. And you see Jules off having this great time, seeing some old friends hooking up with who knows what. I think her name's Anna later. Um, but the synopsis for Seven is that uh, Rue Rue gets depressed, watches. Binge watches 22 episodes of a British reality TV show, which she implies is some of the best TV where she can just be mindless about it, which is weird because I don't... It's weird that HBO is making a a, a premium high-quality show saying that this other low-quality show is a lot better, and that's the type of show we should be watching. It's it's like kind of counter to what you would think. Um, Cassie looks for advice to help her deal with the fallout of Halloween night. So... This is all about episode seven from the Rue and um, Julie perspective. They're really just uh, trying to. Jules is being blackmailed by Nate, and so she goes to uh, you know relieve him at the uh, at the police station. She says that he's not the uh, guy that choked Maddie. It was this other Tyler guy that ended up having sex with... There was a lot of unfinished resolution plotline contrivances, I would say, in this last two episodes. I really didn't like that Nate basically got off um, scot-free, and he's abusive the majority of the time. There's just not... I don't know. I I didn't just I didn't feel like it, he got his comeuppance. I know that there's you know karma in some worlds, and then other times there's not. It really depends on the viewers, uh, the writer's perspective on how they want it to end. The thing is, I think I needed a little bit more of a punch to to Nate. I didn't need him being you know uh, unable to have sex with his girlfriend. Be the you know. What was it called? Pun- it's not punitive. That's not the right word. But um, lame, I guess. I, I didn't need him to, to do all that. I, I guess I wanted maybe Fezco to have a little bit more interaction with Nate, maybe even confront him a little bit more past the gas station. The mouse, it, it seemed like they didn't know if they wanted Fezco to deal with the mouse problem or the uh, Nate problem. But they uh, ultimately they wanted Nate to be more intertwined with Cal and uh, Maddie. Um I guess from a realistic standpoint, I have heard many occasions that the abused go back to their abusers, which would make sense of the the plot line of Maddie and Nate throughout the entire series. You know, water. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, yeah, I thought. Uh, let me see. Kind of looking back on it, on on this entire series, I think you could have cut McKay and Cassie's storyline 
through the entire series and probably saved an episode, maybe an episode and a half, and you would have had a tighter narrative and you would have been able to spend more time on these, um, the on the other actors. I know that McKay was the only person of color, but you know, or, or have him be a different character and just cut those the, those characters. I just felt like there were so many of these little characters that were trying, to, uh, not little characters, supporting characters that were trying to. Um, Let me see. So many supporting characters that we're trying to give some backstory to. I feel like it detracts a little bit from our main character, Jules and Rue. Uh, you know, those two main characters. Um, yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the series, uh, we see her going back to drugs once Jules has left the building or left the town. She Jules straight up left. I... I don't know. I didn't like that whole last episode uh, interaction between anyone because it felt like everyone was just drunk and high and on all these different types of substances and you couldn't really tell if they were in their right mind or not in a way that you were like, for God's sakes, can someone just get sober and give me a straight answer of you know, what y'all want to do and just quit bouncing back and forth saying, oh, I need to leave this place. Oh, but I really love home. It's just this, uh, it, it does very much feel like the high school uh, mindset in a way. I, I, I kind of remember uh, thinking that way, thinking, you know, you're a big shot, but also you want to get out of this small town. Um, regardless, you know, some towns people live in are much bigger if you're in, you know, something like uh, L.A., New York, or uh, Atlanta, or something like that, or, you know, Texas, uh, was Austin, or something. Well, some of these bigger cities obviously don't feel as small, but even when you've been in a place for a very long time, it starts to definitely feel a lot smaller, more familiar, and that type of thing. So, anyways, kind of got on a tangent. This iPad's still being sick. I tell you, these iPad Pros take forever to charge. And when, just like when they die, they're like done. They're just done. So, um, let me see. Let's see what else we need to discuss. So, yeah, there's this weird conversation. Uh, I don't know. Cal, the character of Cal doesn't get his comeuppance. The, 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 the whole family does not get their comeuppance. Um... Yeah, it, it's a little bit, uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult to recommend the show knowing how it ends. It is a interesting ride from a technical standpoint. I really love the music sound drops and, uh, uh you know, what's it called? Uh, just, the, just all overall camera work and technique was just, uh, something to behold from a, a director's point of view. Um, and it it definitely makes me want to check out the second season. It, the th- problem with the end of this episode is that it leaves in a way that it doesn't tie up enough plot lines that I thought we were going to get. So I guess because it's a season one, I don't like to be left in a, a cliffhanger mode, and this very much felt like... 
Um, stay tuned next week. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't want that. I definitely do not want that. Um, I, once Kat and Ethan were, you know, starting to reconcile, I, I honestly didn't like Kat by the end of the season myself. I had actually kind of forgot what Kat looked like, um, because of all the different things she was wearing and different personas she was trying to show off. I will say, um, in episode seven, it really did seem like there was things that were set up, such as Kat having, you know, an uncomfortable time with one of the guys that wants to see her naked or something like that, and he's paying extra money and saying she should have charged more. She ends up slamming the laptop down and getting, you know, kind of, pissed about it um it just it, it kind of feels like because there were so many characters by episode seven they had so many uh plot lines they needed to to tie up they were like okay we can kind of go with a little more artistic flair or we can kind of go with um in hyper hyper uh hyper-realized is what I would say, you know, extra bright colors, you know, extra in-heightened kind of thing. Or we can go more realistic and we can show a, uh, a story. And so they, I would say it's very 40-60, leaning heavily into the, you know, hyper-realistic, like um, most of these characters are just, um, I don't feel like anyone was acting like they would have acted normally in this situation um, for a season-ending episode, I guess. I don't know. It, it feels very much like they, they wrote this episode thinking that it was uh, going to wrap up everything in a way, but they, they, they just didn't. I don't know. I'm really trying to pin, you know, put, put the flag in what the problem is. Um, for me specifically, because I really liked the majority of the season. It was the um, the setups were so good, and for her to fall at the very end makes sense for a season one character. And there, were, uh, what I really liked at the beginning was how good the storytelling was, and it was still able to balance such an interesting uh, visual dynamic with it, and and with all the crazy camera work showing, you know, aerial shots. Um, there's this weird fisheye lens of when they're on the bike going through these bushes with this light, it looks like, that's hung on them. It looks like one of the weirdest camera shots, but it, it sticks out from, like, no one's business. When you go on YouTube and type in Euphoria, you can, like, look look at specific shots that they're trying to do and people are trying to break down how they did it. And it's, it is it is uh, impressive, honestly. All right, that's it. I'm going to plug in my fucking... <laughs> Jeez, you'd think this would just turn on. I have it, I don't have it plugged into a, 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 the outlet though right now. I have it plugged into a <clears throat> USB uh, charger thing. Let's see. Hopefully that'll turn it on here in a second. Jeez, it's so hard to recap this without having some visuals in front of me. Um, so, yeah, the... Uh, 
I I was kind of calling it a little earlier in the uh, in the series that uh, I think it was episode. F- It was earlier in the season when I was talking about this, but I ultimately felt like McKay and Cassie had an unnecessary plot line. The plot line of uh, McKay and Cassie very much showed them as, uh, you know, they, they, they were interested in different things and they were ultimately headed for a breakup, but... And the way that it happened and the reasoning behind it. I, uh, let's just kind of go down the timeline. Okay, so from the beginning, we see that uh, McKay just always looks concerned. I mean, the look of concern on his face does not leave for all eight episodes. He looks like his dad's about to bust in on him and tell him to drop to do 40 <laughs> um, at all times. He looks like he has constant PTSD. And then after... That stuff that happens at the fraternity... Uh, uh, oh, I'm kind of jumping ahead. But even after the stuff that happens at the fraternity house, they don't really talk about that. Nothing of that none of that ever comes up. There's no video that surfaces. There's, there's nothing of that. I mean, there might be repercussions in the second season, but it's like there is going to be so many set... There's too many setups in this first season, it feels like, that they're going to have to pay off in the second season that people are just going to have to remember exactly what happened. And... Obviously, if you listen to this, then this will help a little bit. Um, hopefully, if I'm giving you know some play-by-play of what happened. But if we go down the list of what happened for McKay and Cassie specifically, finally my iPad's coming back. Um, uh, McKay and Cassie um, have this awkward relationship at the beginning, and he knows that she's very uh, promiscuous in front of the camera and likes sending photos and you know kind of messing around. And I, I think. I can't remember exactly her entire backstory. I watched, I think her her backstory was way up at episode seven and his was episode six. So I guess they were back to back. The thing was, um, the narrative driver between them was the fact that they, he wanted her to admit that she, you know, she's been with a couple of, you know, some of his friends, I guess. Not while they were together, but... She's not afraid to, you know, have sex with, you know, uh, a guy or two. Not at the same time. I'm saying just like she's <laughs> uh, happens to. She likes to sleep around, and he seems to have a problem with that throughout the majority of the ep- the season. But then it comes to that fraternity party, and things just go just whack, and he starts having some. Uh, uh, they start having sex for probably the wrong reasons, I guess, kind of to get that image out of their heads. But I mean, she was upset. He was upset. It It's, it's something that's not addressed nor talked about. And it kind of feels like one of those dropped plot lines. I'm not really sure if they just, they're doing it for shock value or because they're like, oh, this is going to get people talking or what exactly the reason was, because I was, I was just confused about what the what the reason was behind it. I mean, it, it, I, I talk about it in one of the, uh, episodes, I think it was episode six, but really it was, um, it was quite shocking. The fact that it's never addressed is kind of irritating in my, my opinion. Um, cause they just continue to focus on football and stuff like that and worrying about, 
the relationship instead of that shit happening. I mean, that, that that's fucking intense. So I just don't think that you just sweep that right under the rug. Finally, I am... Oh my gosh, are you serious right now? I guess HBO only lets you sign in at uh, certain places. Let's see. Alright, it says I'm in. I'm not really sure if I have to... Alright, so anyways. Um, yeah, I was... Uh... Alright, let's see. Connect, man. Connect. Connect. We've got to connect this stuff. We've got to connect this stuff. Here. Maybe I can pause. Okay, so I, I finally got it to connect. So I, so I got to get into the network. So, um, yeah, so Cassie's uh, storyline comes out in episode seven. And I thought that just like all of these intro openings of showing how these characters, supporting characters, came into their own, I was just so surprised. Uh, they did a great job de-aging her. And, oh my gosh, uh, Lexi Apatow in the back, uh, sorry, what's her name, Lexi Howard, in the background of one of these scenes with her braces is just like, <laughs> like I was like, oh my goodness, she, they really make her look uh, young as well. So, I remember uh, at the beginning of uh, the episode for, uh, what was it, oh, Cassie's, Cassie's intro, there is, um, there's one scene that really starts to uh you know that that really stuck out to me as an important scene of a coming of age story by the way this is an a24 production i was kind of surprised but uh they're getting on the tv now so they, they must be really doing some shit um there's at the uh episode seven for cassie it's her backstory and her talking about you know her father and stuff like that her father was one of the <clears throat> excuse me the uh more uh, handsome guys that were the fathers of everybody and all of the women wanted to be around him and it ended up be causing a rift and her her family and so and and that's what kind of caused uh the ha Mrs. Howard to start drinking a lot. She um, was very upset by you know all these other women flocking to her husband. I guess that's the uh, the risk you got to take when you have uh, an extremely attractive spouse. The um, or, or or just someone that's extremely charismatic. I think it it kind of goes for both. Not just you know looks. It's also personality as well. It's 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 a twofold. It's a system. So anyways, showing. Cassie growing up and uh, her upbringing, like I said, at every one of these episodes, I thought it did an excellent job kind of showing the parent dynamic and the, the, the parental child dynamic. And specifically for Cassie, it shows her um, becoming more, quote unquote, filled out and her kind of coming into more of her own sexuality. And it actually becomes a little bit way more uncomfortable because you see this girl come from a very young child um, in the earlier scenes to her being hug, hugged by her uncles um, and these, you know, cut, you know, these, these uh, family friends that are given the, her extra long hugs and stuff, stuff like that. And it's just like her uncomfortable persona instantly translates personally for me i'm like oh my gosh this is 
this is something that as a male, I don't really have to uh, deal with on a day to day or I didn't have to deal with growing up. Um, so it it irks me um, to see uh, a young woman have to deal with, you know, you know, just being kind of ogled and touched and and uh, grossed out and kind of confused among most things. But I, it's something that you see in movies. It's something that you see in day to day. It's not talked about like a lot, but it, it was just one or two scenes that kind of show, um, that show a lot, and you know, tell a story that they didn't have to show, and they really don't address it again. They just kind of say that you know that's that's what's been ha- been happening with uh, Cassie, and they also kind of go into her father's dirty dealings and stuff like that, and him ending up becoming a, um, what's it called, uh, a drug addict, sorry. And I, I, you see kind of Lexi and uh, whoa, Cassie's, um, well, uh, yeah, Lexi and Cassie's um, two worlds uh, as they collide. You see much more of Cassie's perspective than... Uh, her sisters. It's kind of weird because I don't really think they really look that much alike. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, my, I'm curious why they decided to have two in, sisters in this instead of just one. Because there's a lot of females, or there's a lot of characters just on the board. I mean, it's mostly characters, female characters as, as is. But it's, uh, I just was not expecting, I guess, this many characters. Um, but I did. I absolutely enjoyed these um, the backstories, especially of all these uh, people, because it it tells a quick, concise story and it's done, you know, uh, spectacularly. I I think all of the camera angles and all of the technical work in it um, really just sells the emotion of how how our character is feeling. So, um, yeah, uh, let me see. Kind of scrubbing forward. Um, I was way more interested in the majority of these characters for their um, backstories than than their current stories. And uh, let me see. Yeah, my my biggest thing is that there's a lot of drop plot lines or plot lines that are just left unfinished. but yeah, I I think from you know acting perspective and everything else, you know all of these actors and technical work really did the, did their best. Um, I think I guess there's not tons of uh, transgender representation in digital media, especially just in mainstream media, from what I can tell. Laverne Cox was the only other mainstream transgender actress that I had seen on television before but I think Jules might be might be my favorite on screen right now because she can really sell this character I mean she's playing a version of herself from what it looks like um but uh I like I'm sure I'm sure her family dynamics are completely different her living situation everything's completely different but um 
basically that's just what you know i i I was very impressed with this performance uh, among uh you know zendaya among angus cloud among all of these characters even the guy nate i thought he was a character we love to hate and it was just uh I don't know, just it was very interesting to see everybody kind of fulfill their own roles. I really believe that these are real people. So, yeah, the the character of Nate, I I hated the character Nate, but I did think the the actor playing it uh, did a great job. I don't really uh, have, let me see if I can get some of his information up real quick just to see if he's been in anything else. But uh, here's that scene that he's in. Yeah, so he's going like insane right here, and it, it, this is what the scene when him and his father are getting in a, a, a screaming match over whatever the fuck. I mean, he Cal knows good and well that he's guilty of uh, the abuse on Maddie, but uh, I don't know. It, their dynamic is is so odd, and I, I feel like I'm missing a, a very important piece besides this backstory of his father being a pedophile and whatnot i just um i don't know they they definitely show that uh uh maddie is in the loop of what the hell uh cal has been doing but i mean this was stuff i wanted her to find out episode six not last you know the very last episode i mean she's just like (laughs) it's almost a comical look that she has after she pulls out the cd i don't know um Let's see anything else that we needed to um, cover. Okay, uh, uh, Ali, uh, Coleman Domingo's character, he literally is a drop plot line. He's like in two episodes, talks about eating pancakes and keeping her clean, and literally drops off the entire uh, series. Like, what the, what the hell's up with that? That that's what I call a big ass drop plot line. Like, you, a character that vital that you put that much importance in, I don't think you put in just one episode. Uh, and he wasn't in just one episode. He was in several episodes. Um, uh, but, yeah, I ultimately my MVP for the season was uh, uh, the Lexi Howard character, uh, Mal Apatow. I think she is so funny in uh, almost all of her scenes. She's very much the comedic relief. Uh, um, I think I would I, – I'm ready to see her own show. Let me see. Jacob L. Ordy is – the guy that plays um, Nathan, he's Australian. Oh, there's a lot of Australians that come over here to to do some work. Um, he's in Swing Safari, Max and Osofia, The Kissing Booth, and is The Kissing Booth? Yeah, that's the that is a movie. And uh, was anyone in that we know? Oh, Joey King was in that. Okay. Um, yeah, so he hasn't been in terribly much, but I could see, I could definitely see him getting some real work after this. He's a, a handsome dude, and he doesn't he's not afraid to to you know show some acting chops. I think that he's uh, he can show some definitely he can show some range, is what I would say. Um, I wish we had gotten the Angus Clout uh, um, Fezco uh, story i was really looking forward to that but you know can't ask for everything other than that i thought it was an excellent series i know i kind of bashed it a little bit this last episode but i needed to talk about why the beginning 
half of the season really worked and it was all that great character development we got and the latter half became very much this kind of well it, it literally turned into a music video at the at the very end and had zendaya i think singing one of her songs which would have been great would have been okay but i just needed more um let me see i needed more uh satisfying conclusion that's what i'm looking for god dang it the thing ipad died again all right um so yeah i i want to look at the last uh episodes ratings just to see what people were thinking it got an 8.7 out of 10 i gave it a 7 out of 10 but um let's let's check out to see what people are thinking this is on IMDb, 6 out of 10. Great season, but last episode, huh? By John TN777. The show was very solid throughout the season. It was very enjoyable in a dark sort of way. The cinematography and acting are amazing, as well as the storytelling and character depth and development. This last episode, however, is very unsatisfying, as there are a lot of plots... That were left open. I'm aware there is a second season, but some closure with with some of the characters would have been nice. It seems as if we're back where we started. Also, the jumps between party and flashbacks, I assume, were very confusing. And some scenes are unclear when they are actually happened or if they are imaginary. I agree. I remember that happening several times. I was like, this flashback just is... Cut happened so quickly. Uh, it almost had that big little lies effect where it felt like two people were working on the project and they were like, "We know, no, we need to cut here. No, we knew you got here," and they just couldn't decide it, so they just cut everything. Um, the guy continues, uh, or whoever this is, John seven 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 continues. The season one as a whole was great, but the last episode really left me dissatisfied. I really hope this doesn't become the norm with HBO shows. I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 70 out of 88 people found that helpful, and I am i guess you could say I'm 71 out of that. I, uh, I don't disagree. HBO has been making a lot of great shows recently, but the more I'm starting to look at their track record on these last episodes, it's, it's getting a little iffy. It's getting a lot harder to stick the landing, if you know what I mean. Um, this is 10 out of 10. I can't wait for season two. This is by Stating Facts. The entire season was so good. I understand where some people are coming from saying this last episode was dissatisfying or left a lot open, ending uh, ending plots. But this show deserves praise and attention for just how raw and realistic they portray real issues people face. Uh, this show has depiction of depression, anxiety, addiction, Toxic masculinity, sexuality, and self-realization. So realistically, I'd be surprised to hear if no one saw themselves and no one... And, and I'd be surprised to hear if no one saw themselves in one of the characters. I find myself feeling an overwhelming emotion during some scenes because it reminded me of situations I've experienced in my actual life. I'm truly truly looking forward to the next season and that was a uh, uh, stating facts tw with uh, 27 out of 35 people agreeing with that saying that's a 10 out of 10 um 
they stating facts seems that they really love this um this series as a whole they really saw themselves portrayed in many of the scenarios or, or some of the scenarios in a way that was reflective on their own own life and that's a uh, that's saying a lot. I think that if you are making a piece of media that, you know, especially this, like they said, raw and open, you, you kind of have to be. And the purpose of uh, showing, you know, watching something like this is to relate on a level that it's kind of uh, a therapeutic session in, in a way. And if you're not going through one of these scenarios someone else could be that you might know or it's very much helping you in enlighten their scenario i mean we may not know the day-to-day of what uh, uh, a transgendered uh, girl might go through and it's this is obviously just one portrayal it's it's not like this represents all portrayals but it could be that or it could be someone like cassie who is a, a girl that's growing up and she's uh you know, like, you know, filling into her own self and um, having to deal with the repercussions of that. I mean, there's, there shouldn't be repercussions of it, but unfortunately in the world that we're in, that's what happens. Um, you know, people are going to look, people are going to say, people are going to be rude. And it's, uh, um, this this show's not afraid to kind of show it. And uh, I, I, I did enjoy a lot of the depictions that were shown in here. It felt very real in a way that, Almost, I was like, this almost feels too real. Like it's just like, can we, uh, can we pull it back and make it a little bit happier at the ending? You know. Um, so, let me see. Let me see. Six out of ten. Just got too bizarre for me. By M. P. Boy Land Jr. Talk about weird. This show over the past few weeks got more odd. The dreamlike flashback scenes intertwined with reality and the plot got very muddled to where I was just tuned out. The whole story went from interesting to over the top and re- unrealistic to say the least. The camera work was well done but just kind of went by the wayside because of the bizarre nature of where the show went. I don't know. I see people rating these episodes extremely high but I cannot for my life of why see why. I didn't by any means hate the show but thought it got far into the but thought it got too far into the strange and fell off to where the first four to five episodes were going um about 30 out of 55 people uh agreed with that so it's hard to disagree with some of that i i will say that this show does kind of go into the the, the hyper realistic is what I've been kind of calling it, um, the dreamlike state, and more and more as the episodes went on, and then it just finally jumped the shark kind of at the very end in a way that it didn't satisfy everyone, which is reflective in this uh, this uh, this comment. So uh, this is a four out of ten disappointing episode that turned into a cheesy music video by Jeremy Poland on IMDb. First time reviewing anything here. I really wanted to hate this show, but loved it. <laughs> what? I was uh, I was disgusted by the first episode, feeling like I watched a modern day ki- version of quote unquote kids, but I was also hooked. <laughs> As the show went on, some of the characters 
became more believable, I realized I really did like the show. Reading some of the reviews gives me some reason for concern because I see a lot of teenagers saying that this is a accurate depiction of what it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, of being a real life teenager now. And if that is true to you, really do need to start looking for help because the most part it shouldn't be. Jesus, I guess he's not speaking English as his first language. As the father, oh, well, let me see. Uh, teenage, da, 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 da. As the father of three teenage girls, I hope it's not. Oh, geez, I, I do too for you, but um, I'm talking about the drugs and the violence in quotations, uh, in parentheses, sorry. All that being said, this show has not been afraid of showing anything until this episode, and then it didn't give anything. Way too many cliffhangers, give me something to feel about, and then it turns into a silly music video for Zendaya. What the hell was that? Am I watching HBO or Disney? And that's a 23 out of 43 people found that helpful. And yeah, I guess he is, uh, Jeremy seems to be discussing uh, the perspective of being a father. I would be horrified if i was a parent watching this this is this is like uh this is a damn horror film or a horror show if it if i've ever seen one so let's uh kind of go let's find uh, like an eight out of ten or something a lot of these are either really high or really low okay so let's see okay so i guess we'll just go out on a 10 out of 10 by flynn carson jules you didn't have to do that to me so people are bothered by the bizarre way the episode was edited and just put out, but I think it was more of an artistic choice, but that's not the problem. My one problem is why did Jules have to hurt Rue like that? I'm impressed, but other than that, it was amazing. And 5 out of 11 people found that. It it really does seem like people are like 50-50 on this episode. Like People are um, mostly just questioning why this artistic decision came in at the very last second when it was the most necessary to have some of the most grounded storytelling. Um, I can't answer that, but um, I I guess it it's going to open for a strong season two is what I would guess. The uh, guest is what I would guess. So, um, yeah, I, thank you for listening to the Luck Dog Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, media. If you need photography, if you need videography, if you need digital media production, EliasRoushMedia.com. Um, be sure to check out all these great podcasts we have coming down the tube. We've just covered the entire Euphoria series. If you like HBO, then um, I would definitely recommend Succession. Uh, Succession Season 1 is... Uh, a certified uh, nine out of ten for me, and I would I would definitely go check out season one. Season two is uh, happening right now, and we have uh, season two coverage um, already started as well. Um, not sure if we're gonna do episode by episode like we did with this. I kind of had a little bit of flexible time to do uh, the Euphoria cast. So uh, if you like uh, HBO, check out Big Little Lies wrap up season two. Um, Money Heist on Netflix and...
thank you for listening to the Lucked Up Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening to all of the fantastic podcasts we are able to produce for your listening pleasure. We could not do this without you. And uh, check the show notes out for all um, comments, questions, concerns. The email is all down there. Uh, email luckydogpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Lucky Dog Podcast, Facebook group is down there, Twitch also available. Come hang out while we play games, do, you know, mess around, podcast, whatever. Um, ask questions, Instagram, we have some fun stuff we post on there as well. Um, check out um, the uh, paypal.com slash podcast to help us keep the lights on, keep the streams flowing, and keep uh, the lights glowing. And, uh, yeah, we could not do this without you. Uh, if you have, uh, if you can't support from a donation, then, uh, ratings also help as well. They ratings on uh, iTunes or Google play or Castbox or, or tune in or whatever, whatever you're listening on. Uh, SoundCloud obviously works as well. Um, so thank you. Whatever you can do to support, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Lucked Up podcast and take it easy. Taking it all for us. Oh.